Welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast, where filmmakers become entrepreneurs. With my dad, he's a dork. Hi, and welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McMahon, and this is a podcast where we try to help filmmakers become entrepreneurs. And today, my guest is Moore Morose, who's an animator and an entrepreneur. He runs BloopAnimation.com, and I first heard about him because I'm a fan of Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income podcast. And so, obviously, I'm subscribed to that podcast, and then there was an episode that shows up that says, How an Animator Built an Online Business. And I was like, what? This sounds perfect. Awesome. This is like the quintessential like poster boy example of what uh, Film Trooper is all about and finding stories of other filmmakers who are building online businesses to do one thing, and that's essentially to be able to make their art. So when I listened to the interview that Pat did with Moore, it just like struck a chord. I was like, yes, awesome. I have to get him on this podcast as well because I want to be able to talk more shop. I call I say talk shop. I don't know where that term comes from, but it basically I just love talking about both um, you know film or animation or the art, and then combining it with online business and online marketing and all those types of things. And to hear uh, someone who's doing very well um, that I can you know look up to and I can be aspired by. And the fact is, he's like half my age, probably. <laughs> it sounds like it. Anyhow, I had a really great time talking with Moore. So without further ado, here's my interview with Moore Morose of BloopAnimation.com here on the Film Trooper Podcast. Okay, I forgot to mention something about this interview. You're going to hear some weird crackling sound in and out like later on in the interview process. It's just Skype. I don't know what the deal is. Every time I use some internet audio thing, you know, I don't know where the sound comes from. So, but there's still some great information. Just uh, be prepared. So you're like, oh, what the hell's going on here? Um, yeah. So that's it. My apologies. Um, damn you, Skype. So like, oh. say, yeah, we're, say we're at a party. <laughs> like, hey, dude, I just met this really cool guy, Moore. Scott, you got to meet him. And I'm like, okay, sure. I, I heard he, he runs this animation site. an animator, a filmmaker, but you really got to meet him. So... I go, hi, I'm Scott McMahon. I run this uh, site called Film Trooper, also a filmmaker. And I actually have, uh, I'll, I'll get into it later, but some past experience with animation myself. But um, no, so so tell me more about yourself more. So yeah, I, I usually, I don't really start with all of those things because I don't think people at a party especially are ready for all the information I can start, you know, uh, talking about. So I usually say an animator. Oh, nice, nice. Which is true, because I, I do work as an animator also, but I don't start like talking about the website and the YouTube channel and like the book and all those things. Right, right. Um, unless they're really interested. <laughs> That's right. It's always funny, the, um, the principles of like how you interact at a party is almost the same as how you sort of want to interact uh, in networking, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I heard this, I can't remember who, uh, what entrepreneur was very good. He said that... Um, in in elevator uh, pitch, his his was always when somebody asked him what he did, he says, "I you know I peel onions," and that 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 <laughs> the the idea there is like you say something and you pause and let somebody then engage more in what you what you're talking about, and then he went on to explain like I help um, you know. Uh, entrepreneurs and business people um, peel back the layers you know, oh, of their onions okay. so I can help them s- discover their core and their, all this type of stuff. So it's a very, <laughs> you know, since we're in the world of storytelling, it's like, oh, that's brilliant. So I got to come up with something like, um, okay, we got to come up with something like, instead of just, just you know, an animator, you gotta, we've got to have like a better cat. <laughs> like I, I feel I've, like the, the conversation is always like an animator and then they say like, oh, cool. That's like, that's always, because you don't hear that very often, I feel like. People don't really say like, I'm an animator. It's, it's not a very common, I guess, job. And it's something that is very clear what it is. Like when you say accountant even, like it could be like a thousand different things. Like my wife is an accountant and she doesn't even do accounting. Like there could be a lot of options that people don't really know what it is. But animation, everybody kind of knows basically what you're doing, even though they don't really know. It's right. not really, it's more complicated. But uh, So interesting. Well, let me ask you, um, I detected an accent, but uh, where did you grow up? <laughs> I, I'm from Israel. Oh, okay. Okay. When did you come to the States? I came here in 2008. I was okay. 22. Oh, okay. Very cool. And what made you decide, um, now that now we're going way back, like when was the, <laughs> when was the inciting incident? What was the uh, impotence of like, you know what? I, I want to be an animator. 
Well, I I always wanted to be an animator or a filmmaker. I always loved animation movies. I've done like stop motion, uh, you know, clay videos when I was like a kid. Um, and I knew that there's not going to be a lot of space for me to do it in Israel. It's not a very uh, animation developed country. Uh, so I knew that I had to move here. And actually, the pro- my process was kind of funny because I wanted to get into filmmaking and animation. But then I thought, well, I want to make money. I don't want to be like a, <laughs> like a starving filmmaker trying, like, you know, trying to, to uh, pursue his dream and, and staying poor. So I said, how about I'll go to do advertising instead? Because that's where the money is, right? Mm-hmm. So I actually applied to the School of Visual Arts and I, and I got accepted for advertising. I didn't even go for animation. And then after like one semester, I was like, I don't think so. I don't, that's not what I want to do. And then I saw the animation department. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And they actually get jobs after graduation. Unlike filmmaking, like no offense, like my, our filmmaking right, right. department, like I've seen a lot of graduates and I think almost none of them actually find a job as a filmmaker. It's really hard. But as an animator, you can actually get a job. It's not that hard to get a job. It's a very technical skill that you can learn. And there's a lot of demand for it right now. Yeah, no. It's so very it important. kind of added up for me. And then like, I wanted, but I wanted back uh, where I started, which is the passion for animation. But I did it in like all this uh, crazy way. Interesting. Like, do you, do you, when you were younger in Israel, was there a certain movie that just sort of changed your perspective or just had like, yeah, a major Yeah, Toy impact? Story. Oh, Toy really? Story. It changed. Like, when I saw this, I I just remember, I like, I didn't understand how this was done. I was like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I saw it like five times in theaters. I I was just amazed of like how it looks because I've never like nobody ever saw anything like that before. I always I watched all the Disney movies before and and they're all great, but that just looked so different. And, oh my gosh, uh, yeah. I'm an old man. It's like you know, <laughs> like I was working. Um, I just started a Sony PlayStation when that movie came out. And that, yeah, definitely rattled the industry in a great way. But to hear like you're a young, you know, you're a young person. I'm like, I think, uh, you know, I got 20 years on you, I think, or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> or something like that. I'm just uh, I'm half Asian, so I look younger than I am. But anyway. You do look young. <laughs> it's the Asian side of me. And then when I get older, I'm just going to turn into look like Yoda or something. But, <laughs> but fascinating. Yeah. So Toy Story. Toy Story definitely uh, like rattled my world. I remember that, and I was like maybe ten years old, I think. Oh my god! Look at you, you youngin. Jesus Christ, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So then it it's you know it plants a seed. It's in there. But let me ask you: so when you get when you went to the the school to study advertising, um, was it just was it the curriculum that wasn't clicking with you, or there was just like a more burning passion to be creative on, uh, on the other side of animation? Um, because the reason I ask is that I get a lot of, uh, you know, uh, films, high school kids ask me like, well, you know, what college should I go to or, you know, school should I go to for filmmaking or should I go to film school? And, you know, in hindsight and everything, because I had gone to film school and the reality is like, gosh, I wish I had gotten a degree in like marketing because like everything in the world revolves around like marketing, like the marketers, advertisers will have to hire the the, the creative talent, you know, to plug yeah. it in. I don't know, but I was no, curious I what your thoughts are. No, I think it's very, like, the world is so different right now, um, and there are so many more options and more avenues for for filmmakers and creative people to go than, like, even 10 years ago. So I think my perspective now is very different on, on college or, like, choosing your... Uh, I don't even think... I don't... Like, when I think about marketing, like, four years a degree in marketing, I think it's... It could be a, a big waste of time mm-hmm. since there's so much uh, newer and more relevant information online right now than there are in marketing school. Like I don't – what I've learned in the past year, year and a half since starting my website, I think is – I would never have learned that in four years of, of advertising or marketing school. I don't think they're there yet. I don't think the curriculum is is ad, has adapted yet to the techniques that people are using today. Like mm-hmm. uh, launch by Jeff Walker, or like uh, you know, smart passive income, like all these uh, principles. I don't think maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think they're they're in the curriculum for a bachelor's degree in, in marketing right now. No, they're as not. much. Um, I speak with um, uh, Sherry Candler, who's a um, 
uh, independent film marketing strategist and you know she's been uh, an advocate for like just the new forms of um, uh, marketing and advertising for filmmakers for a while now and you know she has been working with different clients um, that are sort of like the old sort of like maybe sort of the old broadcast mentality or old uh, media mentality Mm -hmm. and so she's surprised just like how um, you know I guess what's the word unaware of all the new things that are happening, like just how fast and nimble you have to move and just how sort of much more backwards or old school uh, advertising and promotion and marketing that a lot of these companies still implore, which is just fascinating. Yeah. The film, the film industry and the TV industry is, is still not, did not catch, catch on to, I think. I mean, some of them did. Um, newer networks maybe, or uh, forward thinking people like, um, Jimmy Jimmy Fallon, I feel like oh, he yeah. really he really gets how things are like are done today. But a lot of uh, a lot of networks and film uh, studios have not yet. I feel. Yeah, interesting. Now it's interesting hearing you talk about you know growing up in Israel. Um, I don't know if you had an opportunity to listen to the podcast interview I did with Orrin Pelle of uh, Oh yes, Creative Paranormal Activity. Yeah, awesome. and it's <laughs> listening to his story about growing up and like having like um, his family had won like the the whatever the regional lottery and they had bought like the first VCR or something like that and <laughs> you know his, his, you know his entrepreneurial spirit you know making um, um, software code I think for um, like a paint program or something like that but um, just like you know then coming over to the states but just something about you were telling me your story just sort of resonated with me and very similar to what he was talking about um, so it's cool so what why New York was it just uh, or not maybe California I I think probably in hindsight I I should have gone to California when I when I moved here I just I really loved New York I came here when I was a kid and I just knew that I was going to come back here I do feel maybe uh, uh, like studying in LA like Cal, Cal Arts or uh, UCLA would have been a little better but uh, but it was either it was it was either LA or New York for sure yeah and I feel New York is really growing as like an entrepreneurial uh, you know little little town. So it's it's an exciting time. There's a lot of uh, startups here growing up. That's so funny. I love how you said like a, a little town. I mean, you know, Manhattan is. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. It's just you know phenomenal. So, um, but yeah, I, I feel it's like my little town. I try to like you know I go to my little coffee shop and like you know if you stay in certain areas in Manhattan, it can feel like a little town. What part of Manhattan do you live in? Uh, East Village. East Village, okay. Um, what's going on? The, I've heard through the grapevine, like Brooklyn is like a new surgence of like, oh yeah, like the new, the next Austin, Texas, or something. It's definitely growing with a lot of uh, young professionals moving there. I just, I just decided to like not follow along because I really love <laughs> living in Manhattan. But I, I like at, most of my friends live there probably, and most of the people I work with and that I, that I meet on a day to day basis, they all live in Brooklyn. Interesting, yeah. Um, you know, hearing those stories and, you know, because I'm up here in Portland, Oregon. So it's, you know, there's a lot of um, the interesting thing. Oregon about, really surprised me as as how many like entrepreneurs living there. What's going yeah. on in Portland? How did, I, it, how did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, what, this is what I think was happening. Here's the big, I grew up in Southern California, like all my life. And it's so common, like in like the Southern California lifestyle that somebody will, within, within the first couple of minutes, you're meeting somebody, they'll always want to know, like, what do you do for a living? You know, it's it's yeah. almost like a subconscious sort of sizing up, you know, or especially yeah, if you're yeah. in Los Angeles. I mean, it's like it is blatantly like I need to know everything about you real quick. So whether or not you can help me or I'll just move on. You know, it's like it's it's <laughs> all very self-serving. Or not. <laughs> yeah, it's like you go to a Hollywood party and it's like, OK, you're you know, you're more and tell us more. Are you actor, executive, whatever because if if you're any of those things, and I can decide whether or not I'm going to talk to you or not, you know, those are, I mean, it's really weird that way. And yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Whereas in, I realized the first few months living in Portland, Oregon, nobody cared what you did for a living. Literally, everybody's um, first introductions are always uh, asking you questions like, "What do you like to do? Do you like to kayak? Do you like to hike? Do you like to?" <laughs> and you realize it is true um, from the the show Portlandia. They, the joke was it's where young people go to retire. I think everybody's up here for the lifestyle of like the REI outdoor lifestyle because there's so many things to do. And yeah, it's really gorgeous there. I've been there a few years ago. Yeah. And so I think that's sort of the um, 
you know, lends itself to the sort of the young entrepreneurial mindset. Um, anyhow, so I just thought it was interesting because like hearing, <laughs> hearing you're uh, living in Manhattan, but also knowing that you have a lot of friends in Brooklyn, there is something in the water that's changing with a lot of the younger professionals. And uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's inspiring. It's great. So, yeah, so you're making your films. So when did it click for you? Because I know that in your, the interview with Pat Flynn uh, that he did, you, you mentioned the same thing that resonated with me, which is simply like I, you know, years ago, I started listening to um, Jeremy and Jason over at Internet Business Mastery on their podcast, right. you know, obviously, and just as Pat, Pat did. The only difference is Pat, you know, blew up where I was still listening and then still holding down like a, a full-time job, wondering whether mm-hmm. or not I can do any of this stuff. And it was, you know, for filmmaking, it wasn't until just maybe recently where, you know, direct dis- digital distribution platforms really have taken hold where, you know, filmmakers could just literally make anything, put it online and have a worldwide access to a worldwide audience. And then it's trying to discover that marketing path of like, well, how do I market it to the world? How do I get heard above the noise? Um, when did all that sort of click for you? Was it just something maybe uh, somebody had told you, a book that you read? Or when did the when did you figure out, like, I got to figure out how to make my art, but how do I m- make money, market it, and all that kind of stuff? Uh, I think after graduation, um, well, my first, I think my first uh, experience with that was when I was making my animated web series for YouTube. That was when I was still in college. And I worked really hard on it, and I thought it was really good. I mean, it, was, it was pretty good. And it just didn't get any views, which makes sense because when you put stuff on YouTube, nobody's going to watch them. It's just there's no reason for anyone to watch anything you put on YouTube, right? That's like, that's like the starting point. Like you, you need to assume that nobody's going to watch it unless <laughs> for some – like somehow you manage to make a viral video, which is like uh, something that nobody really knows how to do. It just happens. Or – uh, the second option is that you've built a channel for a very long time and you're very consistent for years and then you've built an audience that's large enough to release something that they'll actually uh, want to watch. So I did that. Nobody cared. I put a lot of effort into it. Um, and that's it. I just I dropped it and I moved on. I finished my film. And then I created a video of how to make an animated movie. That was like my first thing. That's what I said on, on Pat's podcast as right. well. And I put it out there and it got a ton of views. What year was this again? Uh, I graduated two years ago. So okay. 2000, yeah, 2012. Okay, so this, you put this out 2012. And what happened after releasing like How to Make an Animated Movie? Well, it got a really uh, large amount of views, like a few thousands on the first like day or something, which really? was, you know, it doesn't sound like much, but it was more than I've ever gotten for anything that I've put on YouTube. And it, it, it actually got more than the actual film. Which is what you say on your website. Like, you, you know, people on Q&As want to ask uh, how you made the film or what camera you use. They don't care about the actual film. And I think that realization that people don't care about what I do as much. They would care about what I do once they like me and care about me, you know, in the future. But just meeting me out of like, you know, out of nothing, they're not going to care about my movies or products or whatever. So they do care about stuff that interests them or bring them value. So I just decided to like get hard on and like go hard on to making all those uh, tutorials about how to make an animated movie. Yeah. So I had my my first video, and then I just started breaking down every aspect of making an animated movie and making tutorials about it. Were you be, were you beginning to see sort of in the comment section and YouTube of people asking you more questions like, "Oh, this is cool," but how do you do or anything like that come about? Yeah, I get I get a lot of questions. Most of them are pretty similar, and most of them can, can be. Like can be answered by just looking a little more, you know. Yeah. A lot of them, are like, what software do you use? And like, the software is written on the video. So if you just <laughs> looked a little, <laughs> but uh, I I also have like an automated uh, machine working for me uh, to get more ideas, which is uh, the email list. You know, mm-hmm. when someone signed up to the email list, he gets an email asking them what kind of tutorial would he like to see, and that, and they and some sometimes they answer it. So I get a few a day for sure. Um, and then once in a while, when I need ideas, I just read them all and try to find like common questions or topics. But I, I feel like I, I, I have like so many ideas still that uh, yeah. I haven't resorted to that so much. Right now, here's the thing: uh, it's interesting. Um, we can back up a little bit. Like you said that maybe just you wrote, you made a video called "How to Make an Animated Film," and it's because maybe the 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 actual 
tag or the headline was how to make a animated film. It's literally what somebody might put into YouTube. Yeah. They're very specific searching for it. Um, did you know that um, specifically when you wrote the title for that yeah, video? Yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, everything I do is, is uh, thought out with keywords. Like I don't, I don't look for ideas in keywords, but once I have the idea, I optimize it. for. So I knew that this would be the best search term, the best term searched. And I'm ranking number one, or I think for that still, or somewhere on the first page of Google, um, for a lot of those terms that I'm that I'm trying to to aim for. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you, be, being you know you know much younger than I am, and like YouTube is sort of like that was a sort of the thing to do. Like it was uh, it, it was still sort of foreign to a lot of my uh, my peers. You know that were a little bit. Like we're just on the bubble on the outside, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of really understanding um, that growth. But with you and your colleagues or peers or friends, um, was it just something like like a no brainer? Like, yeah, let's make something, put it up on onto YouTube. Um, or w- was it a new concept for you even back then? No, I think when I when I did that, when I except for that first video, which I just randomly uh, posted out there, I think everything I did after that was was. Uh, was kind of thought out. It was planned. Like I wasn't just uploading videos that I've done on YouTube. Uh, I built a channel that has some kind of idea, and I tried to consistently upload uh, videos that are similar in style and like branding. Like I, I thought, I don't think it was. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of my friends who are like hobbyists, when they do some kind of uh, animation at home, they can upload it to YouTube, share it. But it's not like it's not a job. It's not a like their business. Yeah, uh, when yeah. I did it, I tried to do it as a business. Okay, okay. So you had the, your mindset was uh, great. So your mindset was in the right, uh, correct, like going forward. That's fair. Uh, yes. So we were talking about the email list, um, and let's share like why that is so important for any artist, you know, and anybody um, making a, a noise on, on online and, and building a business that way. Um, if you were to explain it to like a new artist or new animator, new filmmaker, um, how would you sum up the why it's so important to have an email list? Well, I'll start off by saying that it's the most important thing to have. Okay, just for the viewers, in case they're wondering, uh, it's something that I think a lot of people are not even aware that it exists. When I tell people like, "Oh, I have this many people on my email list," they they nod, but I think so a lot of times they don't really understand what I mean. What is an email list? Um, so it's that's the, that's the list that I use to contact my my viewers, right? So unlike YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, when I send uh, an email to all those people, it gets to all of them. They all receive my email. On Facebook, I I think maybe eight percent, five percent. I don't know. It's I feel like unless I boost it, barely anyone gets my posts. And on YouTube too, it, even if they're subscribed to you, it's not the video that you upload is not necessarily going to be on their feed. So the best tool for actually reaching those people is email, and especially for selling products. Like I have recently launched a book, and I think 90% of my sales came from emails. So if you're interested in selling something um, as an artist, that's the, the, the most important thing you want to do. Yeah, it's like you know all the people that we follow and talk about. It's not say a captive audience, but it's um, the – if we think about our own daily habits of like, yeah, we might scroll through Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Tumblr, you know, fairly quick and only see like a whatever is in a news feed for like the first couple scroll scrolls. So you yeah. might not see everything because you're not necessarily following one particular person all the time. Um, you're looking at a collection of whatever the algorithm, you know, decides what you want to look at. As opposed to email, like when you get an email, you, you what's, what's that saying? Like either you're going to deal with it. Um, delegate it or de- delete it, you know, <laughs> or basically, yeah, you, exactly. you know, so we're marked as spam. So if it's somebody more personal, yeah, to get an email because they're getting it from me, it's not like some kind of uh, corporate, you know, entity sending some massive email. It's like me, my name is on the bottom. I just, I just want to tell them something. Now, let me ask you with uh, Bloop Animation, which is your site, right? So it's bloopanimation.com. Um, you know, they always talk about like putting like a personal brand. I mean, you are the face of Bloop Animation. Um, do you do you hope to expand that eventually to um, have other people come in? I know that you've had some guest tutorials come in from other people. Right. Um, um, like like I know you mentioned a little bit on Pat Flynn's uh, podcast, but what is your um, 
what do your what do you want to do with loop animation now and and maybe five ten years from now all right so the reason i didn't go with my my own name for the brand is because i felt like it could be a lot of things and i just didn't want to like you know like this i think i guess that's why you did it also like you don't yeah. i don't i didn't want to limit it to just be more more as a thing because it could be like a maybe a production studio at some point it could be many things um so yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah so my i think my my bringing bringing in more people is something that i've, I've already started doing i have a writer who is um who's writing the animation news show that I have. It's a daily show every Thursday on YouTube, on my channel. And he does the research and the writing. And I have another writer who's been writing the Pixar uh, series that I've been doing. It's a Pixar storytelling rules. It's going to be like 10 episodes. So I try to bring in other people because I, if I try to write and do everything myself, it's just not going to be as like produced as many episodes as I want. And right now I'm doing twice a week, which is, it's really hard to do if it's just me. Yeah. Um, and I have another writer that I'm working on with other things. So I try to bring in people to create content as much as I can so that I can focus on maybe making another short. Uh, I recently re- released um, an ebook that I've been writing for a few for a few months. So I couldn't have done all of that while also having sometimes a full time job. I freelance. So sometimes I'm I'm working like for the whole week and sometimes I'm, I'm at home. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have other people contributing. Let me ask you, this is, first of all, I want to commend you on your, the way your site is laid out. It's so like clean and simple, but yet it is, is very obvious of what you're there to uh, supply value for. Like, you know, there's no, like, it's not muddied by like, wait, I'm all over the place. What options do I have? It's very clean and slick as well as your YouTube channel. I love the fact it says, you know, up in the corner, new videos every Monday and Thursday. I mean, it's real simple. Your playlists are simple. And I love the, you know, you have your, the animation news, um, uh, section keyframe, right? The keyframe, the keyframe. Yeah. And then the Pixar stuff. Um, let me ask you, how did you go about, you know, enlisting other people to help you? I think so. So you're not just being a solo you know, artist. So yeah. what are your tips of like getting people to come on board to join you on your crazy mission? <laughs> <laughs> so remember that email list we talked about? Yes. So, uh, I emailed my, my list, uh, ask for contributing, uh, writers, and I got a lot of applications, and I went through them, and I, I picked people who I thought were suited for it. Uh, the, Pixar, the Pixar series writer is a friend of mine, a friend uh, filmmaker. So I just asked him, and he was really into it. Uh, so I think, and, and for Lift Up, my, my last short film, I had a guy in Mexico doing the music, which I also got through, my, I think it was through my Facebook page, and a guy in Canada doing all the background work. And that was through my email list, I think. So, yeah. So, so yeah. So all those, um, all those people that I that contributed to the site and to my production are from just from uh, viewers. Oh my god, that's so great! So essentially, it's like you built a community, you built a goodwill, and then the best thing about this, you just asked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of people want to want to participate in uh, in independent filmmaking, you know. And I'm not making any money out of making that film. And, like, you know, we're all just trying to do something uh, cool. So uh, I'm, I, I wish I could pay uh, people maybe, like, at, certain, at a certain point when, when I get, like, budgets or, I don't know, some kind of financing for those films. And I, I wouldn't be doing them on my, free, on my spare time. I'll be able to pay them. But for now, it's really fun to just get people to, like, collaborate on some cool thing. Yeah, let me let me uh, commend you on your film. Uh, it's it's lift right or lift up? Lift up. That's yep. right. Lift up. The cool thing about it, I love. I always loved um, sort of um, utilizing 3D, but then you know laying the textures that look a little bit more um, you know stylized in terms of hand drawn or painted on like a water paint uh, color type thing. But then you had a very simple concept of just like a cube shaped character and a bunch of uh, balls, you know, or yeah. ball characters. But it's really great. Cause I could see where the influence was when you, um, he comes over the ridge and he sees all the other balls playing and there's this, you can, you know, as an audience, maybe you could easily identify like sympathy, you know, it's like for the, the cube character. <laughs> cause and I thought that was really great. Cause it's like, this is so right up the alley of, of, of the Pixar films that you are inspired by, but it evokes emotions, it evokes, uh, you know, a connection 
to an inanimate object per se, and then to see you know you know um, what happens to them at the end, uh, which is uplifting. But I just want to commend you on it because you did a very um, good job of of grabbing that sort of save the cat moment. You know, you <laughs> thanks. Know? <laughs> I'm, I'm really I'm really glad to hear you say that. It was I, all of those things kind of uh, came from from my limitations. Oh yeah, please talk. Tell, tell us more because I film troopers all about like. You better own up to your limitations and then right. get really creative. But go ahead, yeah, tell us so more. I knew you would be excited about this. But it's very, <laughs> it, it's very similar to a lot of the stuff I read on your website. So I don't, I don't approach uh, doing something that I can't do, that I think that I can't do. So I try to, to to figure out what I, what is possible to create in a reasonable amount of time and then do it. So the whole story of making of lift up, uh, which is not the one covered in my how to make anime uh, video. Uh, is that I just I tried counting the things that I'm able to do and modeling 3D models and characters is not something I'm good at. That's actually the reason why um, on my first film, even with the two fish, they like they were very simplified fish. They didn't have like hands. The reason I picked fish is because they don't have fingers and legs, so I don't have to animate all of that. Like it's I I try to make the best out of my my given time and talents. So I don't have any modeling, modeling skills or talents. Uh, so I knew that I had to go with a ball or a cube. That's, that was just a granted. I, it was either getting a modeler, which is, is really annoying to get a free, like an unpaid modeler to do stuff for you because you have to chase them for, for months until, until it's done. Yeah. So I just decided to, to go with the ball and the cube. And then I, I tried thinking what kind of story can be around that. So it, it, it didn't go the traditional uh, route of thinking of a story and then like, you know, trying to, to make it happen. I And the reason the backgrounds are 2D painted, uh, you know, stylized backgrounds is because I couldn't start modeling backgrounds too. Yeah. So all of that happened because I, I had no choice. I tried thinking what's the minimum, minimal thing I can do for this film. And there's no more minimal than a ball and a cube. That's like the primitive shapes on any 3D program. <laughs> yeah, squash uh, and stretch, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then like trying to give them emotion was, was the challenge for me as an animator. So it was like, I was really glad to have that challenge. And a lot of people told me like, wow, you, you, you really like got a lot of emotion from that cube or the ball didn't even have eyes. And it's really hard to get an emotion with no eyes. Yeah. Uh, so that was like my challenge as, as like a special thing I wanted to do as an animator. Oh my god, that was great! Great job, and also the first one too—the your, your first uh, short animation film, the fish. Food for thought. Yeah, food yeah. for thought. Fantastic because it's you know, it show the different characters like expressions, and it had a great hook at the end. Perfect, you know. So <laughs> thanks. Uh, really enjoyable. Now, we're gonna. I have a, like maybe you know another seven minutes or something here. I can geek out with you. I'm gonna get now we sure. can geek out animation style. So <laughs> I, when I was a thir- when I was 13, I thought about being an animator myself. Um, it. And I had taken a tour of Cal Arts at 13, you know, oh, like, wow. I'm like way, you know, because I was in Southern California, so we could drive up there. I don't know how mm-hmm. I got into this like tour, you know, I'm, I'm so like far <laughs> from college at that point. But I remember going to the anime, all the, the cool animation rooms and, you know, you're just like, oh, my God, there's like there's a school that you can make stuff like this. And one <laughs> of the animators was working overtime on the weekend. And this is dating me. This is like how old I am. But he was mm-hmm. working on uh, Five Will Goes West or the American Tale movies from Don Bluth uh, prior to the Disney um, animation explosion with Katzenberg. But it was watching him animate the scene um, with Feifel, you know, jumping down. It was just fascinating. So then it's like didn't see it a year later or something like two years <laughs> later. It's like, I oh, know that's the scene I saw. But um, I remember that's going to college cool. because I thought I was going to be an artist or animator, but I got – hooked on the live action bug you know and so that's what sent me down to um down the road of uh, filmmaking or the film school but lo and behold my first job um one of my first jobs coming out where the, the big job i landed was at sony playstation and so then i was thrown into the mix of dealing with so many amazing um uh, animators like my background is more editing and compositing you mm-hmm. know but taking my um um, you know, visual arts or graphic arts background and applying it to the, the world of compositing. So I never did the, you know, animation because I just, at that time I was managing and I was 
and since compositing always sort of was the last end of things and editing was always the last part of the production process, yeah. um, I knew what we need, like I knew what tricks or elements I needed to just get enough to sell the shot. Like you said, you were limited of like, you know, the 2d backgrounds for lift up and the, you know, gosh, if you look at the first Shrek movie, like they have a, like, <laughs> he, like he's fighting in the, uh, like uh, the arena or something like that. And you look, there's all these just still plates or like images of crowds. They're not even moving because <laughs> the idea is like, you know, they're just faking it just enough that they're blurred out in the background. But you, Do know, you remember you, uh, the first Mortal Kombat video game? Yeah. So like all, uh, so Scorpion, Sub-Zero, and I think Reptile, were, they look all the same except for different colors. It was because they didn't have enough memory, but they wanted to create another character. So they just changed the colors. Yeah. So that's like uh, another limitation story that I like. Oh yeah, I mean the the one that I always hold to I I'm, I can never pronounce his name correctly, but the creator of Donkey Kong and Mar- Mario Mario Brothers uh, yeah. from Nintendo, that um, particular game designer. I remember his concept was, listen, we only our technology only allowed us to move these pixels from this point to this point. So then I designed a game around that, thus became Donkey Kong. You know, <laughs> so and I saw the problems working at Sony firsthand, where a lot of um, de- game developers had these lofty ideas, of, like the ultimate game. You know, and the reality <laughs> is they were it, it can never happen because they were limited to the lead programmer. In the world of video games, how how competent or how talented your lead programmer is dictates everything. Because your artists can, like you said, you can get creative and like, okay, I only have eight pixels to work with or two pixels or three colors, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, or like if, they, if, you, if you have a ton of palette to work with, you can do amazing things. But it doesn't matter if the game engine, the, the programming aspect of it can't take those elements and make it happen. And it doesn't even matter if your game designer is like this ma- very imaginative, creative person. It doesn't matter because if your, your technology, your game engine, your lead programmer can't execute it it's gonna it's gonna fail <laughs> and I actually, I actually like those limitations and i think people should take more advantage of them i think the best ideas come from from limitations oh, i think yeah. like i really love my the idea that I, for the story of lift up and i would never have come up with it if i didn't have those limitations that's so a, i think starting so awesome. with a blank uh, canvas is always a bad idea <laughs> that's a <laughs> like great if, point if yeah. you could do whatever movie you want what would you do like i don't have an answer for that like i i can i never think about what i would do if i could do anything because i can't do anything so that's not like i just don't spend like i don't, I don't know how to think that way that's good i like it because i think you could go through your life probably saying like um what are my limitations and what you know how can my creativity challenge that or overcome that? Or right, and that's the fun part, I guess. Yeah, and I get uh, rid of excuses because, like, oh, I, I would have done that if only I had just a better camera. It's like, yeah. no, that's not true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. Um, yeah, to talk about the better camera or better this and that. Um, you know, when we look on YouTube, you're right. Like certain cat videos are shot just they're horrible. But nobody cares because we were anticipating the unexpected or the funny from these animals. Exactly. And I think we're at the place where we've seen how amazing everything could be. So we know that already. So now we're looking for, all right, like we know we can make photorealistic monkeys on movies and it looks amazing. But like the idea is more, is more interesting to us now. We're not looking to be visually impressed as much anymore. Yeah, I just read somewhere that the, the making of the new Star Wars films, Ryan Johnson was talking about, this is crazy. We're almost going back to more practical effects. You yeah, know? it looks it looks better and people like it more now. Yeah, there's something, uh, the in, the intangible authenticity of it. I don't know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's, it's something you can grab onto. Now, let me ask you, real, as I wrap this up, have you ever had a chance to go to Pixar yet, to tour? No, but I've had a chance to get rejected by Pixar. Oh, well, at least you got rejected. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you uh, apply to them? I applied uh, with graduation, and I actually got, I was one of the few who got an interview with, with one of their lead animators. He worked on the Iron Giant, Space Jam, like, oh. like a, you know, um, an interesting person. And it went great, and there was only three candidates from my school, and one of them got it. And I, it wasn't me. Oh. Let me ask you, um, do you, do you have a dream? Do you want to work with them or work, you know? If you, I really want to work for them. I'll probably quit, though, after a while. <laughs> because I, I don't know, I, I don't think I can be anywhere where I just sit in front of a computer and move pixels around all day. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, even if I work for Pixar, it'll be like the most amazing job, and I'll be sitting at the computer, and I'll be so excited for a few months, and then I was like, all right, I'm, I still need to move that hand for like 
another 10 hours today. And yeah. I, it's just a little hard. So I don't think that, that would be for me for a long term. That's why I'm, I'm trying to incorporate more uh, business uh, into my animation so I can do both. Right. Let me ask. Uh, so I had an opportunity years ago to take a tour. Um, and that was, you know, it was as magical as you think it could be. You know, you I'm open sure. up and they, it's the, down in Emmerville. You open this, you know, it's just like, you know, Monsters, Inc. It's like the pictures you've probably seen, the big foray, you know, like, you know, all the, the I, I, we, the guy that took us on the tour was one of the designers, uh, Ricky, I forgot his last name. I think it's um, Gonzalez or something. But um, there we bump into Pete Doctor. And he's like, on a, oh, he's wow. on a scooter with a Mac. Like a Max on a scooter as he's scooting by, and he's very tall, and he's just like, "Oh, hey, this is Doc." Like, there's no big deal. But like, I'm in the back of my mind going, "Oh, hey, you're do- I know who you are. Holy crap, you're a Pete Doctor, you know?" <laughs> and then, uh, living legend. Yeah, yeah, because they just come off like, um, you know, a few years out of uh, Monsters Inc. So he had already done that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when I was there, they were making um, Finding Nemo. So I went into like the the pit where they had all the um, tiki room stuff, the animators room, and I saw one of the animators working on uh, uh, over and over the scene where you know um, what's his name Marlin is popping up, mm-hmm. you know, screaming for Nemo, Nemo. You know, it's just like watching this <laughs> dynamics. I'm like, I can't believe this. I don't even know what the film was. Be, you know, it's going to come out if you you know a year and a half later, but it was as magical as you can think of. You're thinking like, this is ridiculous. Like this is like I too feel like man if there's an opportunity to work for Pixar hell yeah you know yeah but for sure. uh, but I, I hear you saying but I see that you have an opportunity as you build your platform um at, you know to try as you're doing your Pixar stories um we should try to get um some people that you know work at Pixar to be interviewed you know or like your guest spots or something so it's yeah. almost like you're you're part of the group but you're coming up from it from a fans perspective or interview perspective but. I don't know. That'd be really fun to see. No, that's definitely. I've been thinking of like an interviewing podcast for uh, for animators. Oh um, yeah, let them talk. So that's shop. definitely something I'm gonna I'm gonna do sometime soon. Oh, very cool. Well, there's so much I can't tell you. There's so there's so much <laughs> more that we could talk about, but I want to let you go. Um, but the because uh, I, I definitely want to have you back on and and see the progress. Um, but um, tell us a little bit more the ebooks that you're selling uh, that you have that are that are very valuable and again i'll make sure everybody gets uh, links to your uh, bloopanimation.com because i just love how clean and just like efficient your site is and uh, and all the stuff you're doing i'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because i i never know if it's like too cluttered or not like i always feel it is and then i add stuff and then i take them down like i it's oh, very no. confusing oh i'm inspired believe me i'm a, i'm on the verge of like i gotta clean up the film trooper site and give it a, a facelift i think in this new year but uh, i'm very <laughs> inspired by what you've done but tell us more about the books Thank that you. you've just written yeah uh the book is called animation for beginners um it's uh it's not going to teach you how to animate that's like a, it's not going to take the, the actual technical skill it's uh, teaching the the process of becoming an animator, like like the software you can use, the schools you can like, you can go to, a lot of um, how tos like like defining the path that you should take um, when if you want to be an animator. So I think if a person is considering studying animation or wanting to get into animation, he should definitely they should definitely read that and it'll clear a lot of things up for them. It talks a lot about how like what it's actually like to be an animator, so you'll know if you want to do it. Yeah, that sounds great. And all this can be found at bloopanimation.com. Yeah, bloopanimation.com. There's a banner for the book somewhere there. Or you can go to bloopanimation.com slash animation for a beginner's book with dashes in between the words. I guess I should have made a shorter URL. but (laughs) We got to get you on Pretty Link, right? Pretty Links? Yeah, I know. I'm just just wanting that for some reason. (laughs) It's funny. I I took that advice from Pat Flynn. He was was raving about Pretty Links. And I can't tell you, like, wow, you're right. This stuff totally helps. (laughs) You know, it's just it simplifies things. But, um, man, it's been a pleasure. And I I can't wait to hear more about uh, the stuff you continue to do with your business and your work because the bottom line is, like, You've expressed that you're just trying to create um, the freedom to allow you to make your art, and yes. you, in order to do that, you've had to build a business, uh, a, a you know, a a resource place to that you can share your how tos. But you're you you have the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial mindset, and you're doing a very good job of it. And um, I'm so excited because it's like, you know. 
like a po- you're like the poster boy. See now this guy, like <laughs> he's doing it. He's doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And it's I'm a, I'm so thrilled, and I can't wait to see uh, more of your films come out and um, and all the other stuff you're doing. So thanks. It was really fun uh, being on the show. I was really glad to found to find someone who's also doing something pretty similar to what I do. Yeah, uh, they, in the same industry at least. Yeah, we're we're you know the whole mindset is right there. You're like, wait, let's apply these uh, t- uh, tactics and strategies from these online marketers and put it to the work that we do, the artwork we do. And the only way you know to do that is you know you kind of have to show behind the hood or what's under the yeah. hood. And and um, you're right because like I'm in this world of like for filmmakers, there's still this concept of like you know a large crew. You still have to have you know. Um, you know, a lot of expenses to make it happen. I mean, it's true to some extent, but I, right. like both you and I are, it's like, what are the limitations? And it's like, I have this camera. How can I make the best story possible um, to serve an audience? And before I leave you, who do you feel like is like your ideal avatar audience for Bloop Animation? Like when you kind of think about who you're talking to or the people that respond to you best, are they all sort of beginning animators or? Yeah, I think it's people uh, before college maybe uh, high school students or uh, sometime after after uh, high school maybe they're already in college but they're just starting out and they're like rethinking their path uh, I think they they would get a lot out of the website um, if they're interested in getting into animation they, it kind of has all the information for them for people who are already and like animators it could be a lot of fun there's a lot of fun uh, shows like the animation news and the Pixar stuff that I do that could be interesting for for everyone actually interested in animation, but they probably already know the like the basic tutorials that I'm teaching there. So I think it's for animation hobbyists or aspiring animations alike. Oh God, I love that. I love the fact that you have a very clear understanding of who your audience is, you know, and that that is so valuable. You've already like, you know, won half the battle right there. And like how you <laughs> I didn't at first. Like I. I didn't know what I was doing until I think a year later where I started to figure out, okay, I get who's, who's viewing it, who likes it. And then I started adjusting based on that. How, how long has Bloop Animation been around? Like two, only two years now? A year and a half. Oh my gosh, see? Uh, Film Trooper's only been around a year, but I agree with you. Like I, it's taken me a year to get my feet wet to figure out like who am I really <laughs> serving and like who am I – yeah. What is what is my message? You know? <laughs> I don't you even try, know. <laughs> you can try like thinking that before you actually do it, but you're never gonna get it right. I when I interviewed Pat Flynn, I thought that my website was a tutorial website. That that was what it is. And now I have like the news show and uh, a lot of like extra content that got nothing to do with tutorials. I barely have any new tutorials anymore. And the book is not about learning the technical skill of animation. So I'm not actually a tutorial website anymore. So I think it's it keeps evolving as yeah. as the site grows. Very cool. Did you get a chance to read that book by Ed Catmull, uh, Creativity? Yes, I did. Oh, my God. I did. Such I thought a... it was it was a great book. Yeah, very Kind of geeky opening. and technical. He's a, he's a geek. So uh, <laughs> he's, a, he's one probably the biggest geek there is. He, like, invented 3D or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, 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 his resume of, like, you know, went to, like, the, the, the tech school, like, whatever, you know, on the East Coast, and then working with Lucas, and then working with Steve Jobs. I mean... He's worked with like icons, you know, and yeah. he's become an icon. But the reality too is, uh, I uh, it's very reassuring to see how messy it is and how long it took. Yeah, and, yeah. And there's an element of luck too that you know there's so many things that had to come to play to. to yeah, his allow. classmates were the one who invented Adobe and the one who created uh, Netscape. <laughs> that was like his classmates. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at my classmates. I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah, that guy's exactly. high and that guy's in jail. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so All right. The right place at the right time for sure. Yeah, definitely. I, I, again, I could talk for hours. I know, and I know. There's some more stuff. But I'll let you go. And I can't thank you enough for your time. And I will follow up with you in a little bit. And, um, oh, man, it's such a pleasure. Such a pleasure to meet and talk to you. You too. Thank you very much. All right, Moore. Have a good one. See you, you too. <laughs> Bye. And that concludes my interview with animator Moore Morose of BloopAnimation.com. Obviously, he's more than an animator. He's an entrepreneur running his own online business through BloopAnimation.com. And it was I was really just excited. I wish I had more time to talk to him. I do hope to get him back on a few months from now to see how he's progressed, to see what sort of successes that he's had that he can share with us as he continues down this journey of being an entrepreneurial artist. Um, I know that if you go to his site, if you go to bloopanimation.com, you can get a resource guide 
of sort of getting a kickstart of what you need to do to become an animator. And uh, again, those are types of things that are used in the online marketing world of essentially trying to get an opt-in. Like it's a it's a bribe basically. It's like, hey, um, it's important that you're part of the email list because if you're part of this particular email list, you're going to get more value out of it. And so in exchange of you giving your email over, here is at least a free resource guide um, you know, for your troubles. And, you know, you could always opt out of the email uh, list later on, but it's in a very effective way of making sure people get on your email list. And sort of that's the same thing if you're trying to build a audience for your film project. You have to give something away, some sort of bribe, some sort of opt-in gift to entice people to say, okay, I'm in. I'll, say, I'll give you my email address because I'm interested in having this product or whatever it might be. Uh, some, it doesn't have to be very complicated at all. And those of you who have been following me know this is what I do. Uh, and then I learned from the guys over at Internet Business Mastery, which is in this podcast, I try to end every episode by saying, look, if you're stuck trying to make your film, you're just trying to get your film project off the ground, you know, maybe take a look at this free gear guide that I put together over at Film Trooper. Again, that's at freegearguide.com, and it's an equipment list of everything that I use to make a feature film for $500 with no crew. So again, that's sort of the gift. That's like, come on over. You haven't, you know, haven't yet. You get this very useful um, equipment list guide. It's a, you know, it's a gear guide. It's fun to, you know, scroll through and go, oh, I have that gear, or oh, I never thought about using that gear, that kind of thing. Um, in exchange, you'll be part of the email list that I can give you more value, um, more intimately, you know, through the uh, method of email. Uh, as opposed to trying to like you know catch your attention on Twitter or Facebook or whatnot. So again, that's the techniques. That, those are things that both you know uh, Moore and myself are using, and something that definitely you want to implore or, or implement in your own journey of uh, building up your own audience and to building up your own email list. I hope you enjoyed this episode and. One last favor, if you really enjoy what you're hearing, um, I can really use a ratings and review on iTunes. Um, The more honest, the better. I can learn from all that stuff. Just go to filmtrooper.com forward slash iTunes, and that'll take you right to the iTunes page, and you just leave a ratings and review for me, and that will help uh, grow this podcast and share it out to those who uh, might be interested in finding out, like, how do you build an online business in the vein of trying to be a filmmaker? Um, or an animator, like in Moore's case, uh, who's also a filmmaker. Um, So yeah, that's it. Thank you guys so much again. I hope you enjoyed it. I will see you next time. Bye.